I want to thank uh, Danny, uh, Danny and Jenny again for uh, for giving us the schus to, to use the home, and it's a schus to have Torah in the house, and it should be it should be a bracha for, for the entire family, and to bring simich and nafis and bracha into each room. And thank you very, very much. We appreciate it. And um, and it's been a little bit of a while because of, of the Yom and good things. So we need to spend a few minutes reviewing. But a little bit of a hakdama, a little bit of a, of, an, of a sort of a second introduction, just to get us back into the Indian. A little bit of a reintroduction. The, the topic is so unbelievably important. And that's why I, I, I decided to do this as a second chalik to the first set of, of inspired parenting tapes, the shiurim. And many have asked, because all of us want to work on this, and it's not just Nogay, as I said at the beginning, it's not just for it's not just for for those who have little children now or older children. It's for anybody who's trying to be Mashpia on, on another Jew and trying to help to teach we're all trying to help each other grow. So before we go back into the countries, I don't want to spend five minutes with a little bit of, of Hagdama because of the time of the year that we're in right now. And really it's exactly what we're going to be talking about. You know that the mitzvahs, that the mitzvahs that Noah received, that Noah was commanded to keep, are called the mitzvahs b'nei Noah. These are called the, in English they call them the Noahide laws, but that's not really an accurate translation. If we were to translate the mitzvahs of B'nai Noach accurately in English, what would we say? The mitzvahs of the children of Noach, right? Mitzvahs B'nai Noach. So in English it's called Noachide because it means the people of Noach. But in Hebrew literally it means B'nai Noach, the children of Noach, not the mitzvahs of Noach. Why weren't they called as Noach himself? It says in the, it says in the Svarim that... The reason that they're called Mitzvahs B'nai Noach is to teach us a very important Yisait, to teach us something very, very important, and that's really what we're learning. The Yisait is that the Iker, the main thing is not only what a person learns himself, when a person knows himself. The question is whether or not he's going to be able to pass this on to his children, to his grandchildren, to his great-grandchildren. Whether this is something which is going to be forever, or just a passing thing in this particular individual's life. And this really is the difference between Avram, Avinu, and Noach. As many times as we learn this and try to understand, what is it that separates between these two great people? After all, the Torah, the Torah does refer to Noach as being Sadik Tamim, he was a Tzadik, he was a righteous person. And yet, and, many, and yet we see that Noach was not able to establish the Jewish people. Noach was not able to was not able to create a a nation in Israel. Only Avram Avinu, and ultimately Noach himself. Noach himself, although he wasn't personally rejected, he wasn't able to to continue with building a nation. What is it exactly? What was the characteristic that gave Avram Avinu the ability? What was that kair? That gave Avram Avinu now this time of the year. That gave Avram Avinu the ability to build an entire people that's Baruch Hashem still, still healthy and well, and waiting for Mashiach. What's the chiluk? 
So, I'm sure that all of you remember, and if you're learning the parasha now, and you know, that Chazal use a very shocking term when they refer to Noach. Chazal say that Noach was Mukhusr Amana, or was Mamin Ve'eno Mamin, which literally means he was lacking in faith. He waited to the last second that it was raining to go into the into the Teva, into the ark, right? So Chazal say he believed, he didn't believe, there was something missing. He was Mukhusr Amuna, he was missing something, he was lacking in faith. The tzaddikim, the tzaddikim have taught that that the term mechuser emuna or mechuser amana does not only mean literally lacking in faith. It says in the Megillah, and we spoke about this different times in the past. It says in the Megillah regarding Mordechai and Esther. It says vahi omein eshadase he Esther. That means that Mordechai raised. He raised, he nurtured, he raised and he taught Esther, Hadassi, he Esther. He taught her and he raised her. So the meaning of the meaning of Amana or of Amuna, which is fantastic, really on a deeper level, Amuna means to raise, to teach, to nurture, to educate. So when it says in the Megillah he Ayman as Hadassi he Esther, it means that the greatest thing that the Megillah that the Megillah could say about the relationship between Mordechai and Esther is that he he taught her, he raised her, he educated her in the right way. Therefore, the tzaddikim have said that when it says when Chazal have taught that Noah was lacking in emuna, it doesn't necessarily mean, although the simple pshat means on some way, on some level, he was missing the faith of Avraham Avinu. But the tzaddikim have taught that even though Noah himself was great, he did not have the quality or the ability to educate the generations beyond him to continue in his way. That's why it says in the Pasuk, Sadik Tamim Sav, in his generations while he was alive. Mechusra Amana means, whereas by Mordechai it says, he cared for, he raised, he nurtured, he taught. He was able to give over all of his his emuna, his Yiddishkeit. He gave over <coughs> to the next generation. Noach, although he was a great man, he was a tzaddik in his own generation. Meaning that he was missing somehow this koyach to give over his sidkis, his righteousness, his greatness to future generations. There wasn't a hemshech, there wasn't a continuation. Avram Avinu, of all the things that Hashem Baruch could have said praising Avram Avinu, because Hashem loved Avram Avinu, and Hashem Navi, Avram Avinu is called the beloved of Hashem. But in the Torah, the greatest praise, and really the singular praise that Hashem has for Avram Avinu is Ki Yedativ Lamana Sheyetzave Esbanav Esbeisav Achrav. Hashem says, I know him. This man, Avram, he has the ability to give over the Yiddishkeit, to give over his Amuna, not to, not only with his, within his time, with his family, his immediate family this time, but 
as it says in the Pesach, Ashitzavis Bonav Ves Beiso Achva Vishomru Derech Hashem Lasseis Sadoka Mishpat. That Avmavilu was the Mammon, not just the believer in Hashem, but the believer in his children and his grandchildren, and that he was the one who, because he believes in them, was able to educate the future generations in such a way where the belief of Avraham Avinu would not be confined just to him and to his immediate family, to his generation, but it's something that you and I are living with to this day. Therefore, there are, there are people there are people who have the ability to influence themselves. There are those who have the ability to teach, to be mechanech, those in their surroundings, in their environment. And there are those that even are so great that they can, entire, that they can educate their entire generation. They can have a shpah in their entire generation. The uniqueness of Avraham Avinu was that he was able not only to educate his generation, but to educate the Jewish people, to give over something that was so, rap- so rich, so powerful, so amazing, that, it, that it, it's going on and on from generation to generation. That's why the mitzvahs are not called, the mitzvahs are not named if, when we want to speak about the greatness of mitzvahs, so we say, the mitzvahs are b'nei Noach, that they were given to the children of Noach. Noach himself really wasn't able to give that over. Noach really wasn't able to convey the beauty of what he believed in to his children, to his grandchildren. And Lamaisa, the the entire point of this country that we're that we're learning, which is really a, a, a remarkable country, as you'll see, the point of this country of this little booklet is to help us, to inspire us, and to give us specific and practical ways of of guarding the shamu derech. to be shomer that derech of stalko but to be able to guard to protect our children. And that way that we received that from Avinu, that we should be able to continue, that we should go right to, that we should continue to our grandchildren, our great-grandchildren, that we should be able to be proud, and they should be proud to be able to greet Mashiach Sakaina. Let's review now for a second what we did so far. We had one, we really had one shear. Let's review what we did so far. I'm just going to say it quickly, Mamish, in two minutes outside, and then we're going to continue inside. We'll, we'll review a tiny little piece inside just to get back into it. Reb Tzvi Meir, the author of this country, um, began by himself reviewing three points that he had emphasized in the earlier, in the earlier uh, shiurim that he gave on this subject. The first point was that that in that we have to readjust our entire perspective, meaning that we the first thing, the most important thing, which we're going to learn more about tonight, is to remember that we are shluchah Hashem. That every single parent, every single parent, every single teacher. Every person who's trying to be mishpi and somebody else, but particularly a parent, every mechanach, is a shliach, is a messenger that was appointed by Hashem. Chinuch is called meleches Hashem. Teaching, educating is called, out of anything else in the Torah, it's called meleches Hashem, Hashem's work. And therefore, Chazal have said that the Rebbe, the teacher, has to be like a malach Hashem. A parent has to be like a malach. And a malach here doesn't mean that we're perfect. None of us are perfect. It doesn't mean we're angelic. A malach means a shliach, a messenger. And the aside, the beginning of all parenting, of all teaching, is when a parent, a rabbi, a mora, a teacher believes that I was designated, I was appointed by Hashem Baruch, I am uniquely fit, and I am the one who was, from the beginning of time, chosen by Hashem Baruch to raise these particular children, whether it's my own biological children, or whether it's children that, through a marriage that took place afterwards, with two families that sometimes join together, or whether it's children in the classroom. 
that I was appointed as a shlich, and therefore, if I was appointed as a shlich, then I have the koach of the mishalech, I have all of the authority and the strength of the one who sent me, which is infinite, which is Hashem. Therefore, it's never, ever possible that I was sent children, that children were sent into my life that I can't deal with. It's not possible. Because otherwise, they would not have been sent to you. you they were sent to you because you are the one, and perhaps you alone, from all the thousands of years since that neshama came into existence, you are the only one. The two parents, or in the case where, where God forbid, is left up to one parent, this is the individual of the individuals who have the unique koach to take care of that child. We're going to talk more about that. That was the first thing that he reviewed for a little bit. Then the second point that he reviewed was that there are two types of hashpah. We spoke about this at length last time, and in the shul many, many times. There are two ways of influencing children. There are two ways. The, the first is actually teaching. Teaching, speaking, that's primarily the father's job or the male quality of teaching the material, the educational material and giving over the do's and don'ts of Yiddishkeit. That, that's one method of hashpah, of influence. The second method of hashpah, which ultimately is more significant and ultimately is that which gives the koach of Avmarvinu to go beyond one's own children, but to reach out to grandchildren, great-grandchildren that you that you might, or great-grandchildren that you'll never ever meet, perhaps. That koach of hashpah is not the material that is taught, but it's the way that a parent conducts himself or herself. This is primarily the feminine, the, the uh, quality of Jewish mothers. Again, both of these are needed with both parents, but Traditionally, the main hashpah of the mother has not been to sit down and to review the piece of Gemara or to go over or to go over the, the, the parsha with Rashi. Although many mothers are qualified to help their children with the actual material, that wasn't the main that wasn't the main domain of the mother. The main koach of the mother was to establish a certain mood in the home, a certain feeling, a certain atmosphere that that that. Avira uh, of Yiddishkeit that is very powerful, that's very strong, <coughs> that is transmitted through the through the words, through the songs, through the even the gestures and the looks of the of the mother of both parents. This is the second type of hashpa. Um, and the third nakuda that he mentioned, again he spoke about this at length in an earlier shiur. The third nakuda is that the ikr, in order for chinuch to be successful, in order to be able to give over Yiddishkeit, it has to be done benaicha. Benaicha means it has to be done in a gentle way. It can't be rammed down somebody's throat. It has to be done gently. You know that that's the same with adults. It is as with children. That's also connected to the parshas noach, which is lashon of meicha, which has to do with shabbos, which is menucha. But we're not going to go into that right now. But we're going to talk about this much more later on. This is, we're going to come back to this later on. This is uh, the most important fundamental principle in giving over Yiddishkeit, but it has to take place. It can only work where, the, where you have parents or teachers who are in a state of menuchas hanefesh, who, who, um, who conduct themselves in a way where, where the student, the child, feels secure that he's in the Dal Amis, he's within the world of somebody who is who is um, living a life that, that that is real, and not only that it's real, but there is a certain subtle quietness and comfort and peacefulness 
that surrounds the person as opposed to anger and opposed to as opposed to uh, a person who is is easily excited and so on. We'll talk more about this. Those were the three nakudas of review that Reb Sri Mayer had at the beginning of the country. So we just have to we just have to review ourselves. Then on, on page Gimel we, we started we learned Oz Beis. We started with Oz Beis, which is the actual subject of the of the countries, and he began he began with a mitzvah that's also coming up now in, in Pashas Lech Lecha. Remember that the subject of this particular country is protecting, guarding the children. On all levels, we'll see what that means. So he begins with Tzimei, with the mitzvah, which the Torah uses in Pashas Lech Lecha, the Torah uses the term of Esbrisi Tishmor, Shmiras Habris. Now, that means guarding the covenant. Very simply put, there is a mitzvah, an actual mitzvah that's called bris milah. That, of course, involves the mohel with the boy. That's the mitzvah bris milah. But there's a second aspect of that mitzvah which applies equally to girls. And, and, and it applies even to us as we're adults. It never stops. That's as brisi tishmor, shmiras habris, guarding the covenant or protecting the covenant, which means that Hashem has given us the responsibility to do whatever we can to guard our own holiness, to try to maintain as much as possible our own innocence when it comes to what we look at, what we think about, how we conduct ourselves, and certainly when it comes to raising children. But Hashem gave the mitzvah of brisi tishmor. Remember, I think I'll talk maybe about more on Shabbos a little bit, maybe Lachlacha, it is so important. There's a mitzvah, there's an ongoing mitzvah of brismila beyond the eighth day for a boy and for boys and girls, this, uh, for both boys and girls. The physical brismila is the eighth day, of course, and that's, that's for the boy. But as brisi tishmor, guarding the covenant means that Hashem has sent into each of our lives, those who are zarek to have children or to have students, also that's a tremendous schuss, that Hashem has sent into our lives these very pure and precious Pikdanos, which he's going to speak about, like, like these, these uh, like on loan that Hashem is well gave for 120 years, <coughs> these, these neshamas, and Hashem has commanded us and begged us to guard their purity, to protect them from anything that could defile, that could bring any impurity into their lives. Hashem is gave us the mitzvah to guard the covenant, not just to create or to make the cut on the eighth day. That's beautiful. That's the mitzvah of Bismillah. All Jews, with the exception of very, very few, all Jews believe in the actual Bismillah on the eighth day. But as Brisi Tishmur Shmira Sabris, which has to do, as we're going to learn, which has to do with what a child sees, what a child hears, and the bris of, of, of the lotion of the mouth, this is going to be, this is obviously much more difficult, and we're going to learn about how to strengthen ourselves in this area. So we were, the last thing we were learning was actually on page Dalad, the second paragraph beginning with the word Yelad. We read that paragraph, so I think it would be today, just to quickly, just to quickly read it again, so we can get back into the Indian and to move, to move very quickly, because that Sumeya, let me just remind you that this was this was really uh, this this was a a shmuz that was transcribed, and the way when a person gives a shmuz and he's not preparing something for writing, so it will sometimes repeat because when you're giving a shmuz a shir you go over the yonim a few times as opposed to when you write it down, it's it's really much more masuda. So since there is some degree of review and repetition, so we're going to be able there are certain parts that we're able to go we'll be able to fly through, and 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 the main 
parts will have to spend much more. The parts where he's not reviewing or repeating will have to spend much more time. But remember that this was this was an oral. This was Teresh Shabalpeh. This was a talk that he gave Shalosudas. Let's just review from the from that paragraph. Read it very quickly. Yelled. We saw this. Let's just go. Yelled. Shemavilam also lecheder. When the little boy is first taken to cheder, when he's taken to cheder. Which usually the tradition is that even if the child's not really enrolled in Cheder, but we try by the time that we give him a haircut uh, on that day to take him for the first time to, the, to take him to Cheder. There are many remarkable things that are taught in the Svarmakadoshim regarding that day when the child first officially leaves his home, leaves the house to go to the outside world, to go to Cheder. Otmos of a talus, there are different customs. One is that we wrap the little boy in a talus completely around that he shouldn't, that the first thing that he should see is when he comes into the classroom, when he comes into the chedim, he sees the olive base, he shouldn't see anything on the outside. He's wrapped in a talus. He's wrapped in a talus so he doesn't see the street, he sees nothing outside of the talus. <coughs> That's one custom. These are not laws, <coughs> these are customs. What are we telling the child? What are we davening for when we wrap the child in a talus? We're saying, please Hashem, help that my child should always be surrounded with pureness, should always be wrapped in the talus, should always have white garments like the talus, the whiteness of the talus, and the, and the holiness of the talus. My child should never see things that are bad, see things that are dangerous, should never be hurt by the outside world. That's how we begin his official life in Yiddishkeit. Official, unofficially, he's been hearing things in the house, of course, uh, nice things and davening and olive base, but officially, his trip outside, this is, this is his outing. And we do it with the talus wrapped around him. Because we want to begin in a perfectly pure way. Like it says, when we received the Torah, either the Sony preparations, you remember those days preceding, preceding the giving of the Torah, the Jewish people were mamish and wrapped in holiness. The separation between the men and the women, and the purification, and the, and, and the, uh, and the immersions, and the cleaning of the clothing, and so on. All of that is the same thing. That the Jewish people, as a people, were about to go to Cheder for our first time. It was our first trip to Cheder. Maimon Hasinai, receiving the Torah was our first trip to Yeshiva. Our first trip to school, and 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 Hashem therefore wrapped us in pureness that we should be completely holy. You have to begin in a pure way. As Chazal taught that the custom was always from the time we see that from the time it was already in Chazal that we begin teaching the children in Cheder Vayikra. We don't begin with Brachis. Brachis is very very confusing. We don't begin with the story of creation traditionally. Like many traditions, it's becoming less popular in schools because, uh, for whatever reason. But traditionally, and it's from Chazal, we begin teaching Vayikra because Vayikra, the subject of Vayikra is purification. Pure, pure, to be pure. And therefore, Chazal say, Let the little children who are pure, let them be preoccupied with, with the issues of pureness. So what do we learn from all of this? That what Hashem wants from us, Kesayder, what He wants from us, What Hashem wants more than anything from us is that we should invest our thoughts, our words, and our actions. To lift up, to lift up, 
to elevate the level of shmir, of how we protect the holiness of our children. Every neshama that reaches this world, then there are people who, who maybe the children have already grown up and they're not in the house, or people who, who, who they weren't blessed with children. But each and every one of us has a shaykhus to, to neshamas, to Yiddish and neshamas, whether they're younger or they're older, but, but particularly to younger ones. Kol ben, every son, kol bas, every daughter. Kol talmud, every student. Think of that, you have to think of that really, uh, again, I'm going to be touching upon touchy subjects, but those of you, I mean, you're familiar, you, you know that I, I, I don't really hold back, I mean, you don't know how much I do hold back, but I try to be honest with you, and at the same time, I, I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings, but if a person would think the first time, the first time, not when you're going to cheder, the first time that, that a parent decides that it's now, I now need a break, and I have to put my child in front of the television set, that decision that's being made, and how does that work out with this sentence? When that soul came to this world, it was perfectly, perfectly pure and clean. That's how Hashem Yisbaruch sent you the neshama. Clean. Pure. And we say it every single day. Hashem, the neshama that you gave me, it's pure. And the neshama nekiyah Completely clean, completely pure. And each day we get a new chance to try to strengthen this. Every day we say, And even if we have made mistakes with ourselves and with our children, it's never ever too late to start again. And one should never be misyayish, never give up. But we have to know this, that Hashem sent the neshama perfectly clean and pure. And Hashem is personally asking each and every one of us. As Chazal have taught us, that before the Neshama goes into the world, Hashem Ezbarach Hashem Ezbarach asks, Hashem Ezbarach asks, Please bring, bring back this Neshama to me. It's on two levels. One is the parents, and the other is the Neshama, the neshama itself. The Hashem Ezbarach begs the parents, I'm sending you this Neshama, in order to accumulate all kinds of amazing schusim that can never be accumulated in the world above, but only in this world of free choice and struggling. I'm begging you, I'm begging you to send the child back in such a way that he resembles most and even greater than the one that I sent you. And also Hashem asks this of the child himself, of the neshama, it's not a child at that point, of the neshama, before the neshama enters into the body, before the soul descends into the goof, into the body, to, to do whatever you can to come back in such a way that's pure. In the same way that I sent you wrapped in talus of pureness, I want you to come back to me in such a way, which is which is how a person, a man goes back in the talus that he wore during his lifetime, which is also very symbolic, right? That when a person's 120 and he leaves the world, so he leaves in that talus. And everybody leaves in the tachrichim and the white garments, returning to Hashem in those white tachrichim, the shrouds. And the white shrouds is our way of saying, Hashem, I hope and I, and I, and I, and I pray that somehow I was able to retrieve that whiteness, that pureness, that white palace that I was wrapped in when you first sent me to this world that I could return to you in such a way. And that's the tahar that takes place. 120, the purification of the of the mace, of the person who has passed away by the Chavakadisha purifies the body, and the body is then wrapped in the in the in that shroud, in that white garment, and in the case of a man in the talus. 
Hashem says, I want you to guard that Nikias, that pureness with which this Neshama was sent into the world. The same way you came into the world in this way that was pure and clean. So to Hashem asks each and every one of us that when you leave the world, it should be in such a way that in a way that is clean and that is pure. At the bottom of the page, of the right-hand column, there are different levels of pureness. There are different levels of pureness. We see this in Rashi when Rashi talks about Sari Menu, that even though she was so old, she was uh, she was 127 years old, but she had that innocence of a child. So there are different levels of pureness. There's a there's Tahara Keben Shana. There's the pureness of a child that's a year old. Then you have that level of pureness of a child who begins to study, goes to, begins to go to yeshiva. That we spoke about when they begin to learn. Even as the children grow older, you know that when the Jewish people were ever, God forbid, in danger, the, the most urgent thing to do was to gather together the children. They should say to him, to gather together the children. They should learn the Hevel Peh, and I explain this. The uh, I, I believe I explained this by it was by the Nilas Achad. I explained this to the men that the Indian of reading Kohelis on Sukkot is, is such an amazing thing. There are many questions about that. Why do we read Kohelis? It sounds like it's such a you know it's a really hard. It, it doesn't sound like it's filled with simcha, that's for sure. And we read Kohelis on Sukkot, which is what the most joyous time of the year. So. I, I was explaining the, the last week that uh, if the simple story that the beginning of Kohelis is Havel Havalim Amar Kohelis, right? Seven times Hakol Havel. Havel means like Narishkeit. Kohelis was saying oh, the whole world is Narishkeit. Seven times Havel Havalim Havel. Havel also means breath, right? So when the Siddiquim taught that after a whole Elul of Ashani and Kippur and Sukkot, Every Jew is like a little child, is pure again. We all did tshuva. And we're all once again like little children in Hashem's eyes. Therefore we read Kohelis which says, Hakol Hevel. Hevel means that everything is that pure breath of a child, which Chazal say that in the merit of the Hevel Pihem, of the breath of little children who are davening and learning, the whole world is sustained. So when it comes to Sukkot, after all that we've done, after all that we that we went through during the time of Hashem Yom Kippur and so on, it says Mitzvah Yom Kippur. So we are able to reach a level where Hashem sees us once again as His little children, who who have that pureness in their breath. Havel Havolam Hakol Hevel. The whole world is sustained by the Hevel, by the breath, by the vapor, so to speak, that comes out of the mouths of Hashem's children who are learning and who are davening. This is. The, this is already when the child is a little bit older. He's not the little boy or the little girl that just begins learning. It's called the Hevel Pesha Ein Bochet. The breath of a child, the, the Torah of a child is so is so sweet and so powerful, and the davening of a child is so powerful that, that because it, it is, it's pure, it's it's completely without sin. This is becoming harder and harder nowadays, right, to hold on to this. But we see in Chazal that, that in those days at least, until 20, there was, uh, generally until 20, there was, this, there was this ability to hold on to that innocence of a child, which nowadays, you know, you, you could talk 
I'm not saying from God forbid but from our children that uh, on the street Bechlal in the world uh, children are growing up very 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 fast even in, in our homes they're growing up much faster than, than, uh, than they used to that Hashem Baruch created the children in such a way that they have this remarkable, uh, uh, this remarkable ability to be clean and to be pure. This is our responsibility. This is our tafkid as parents, as teachers. Our responsibility is that and the shlichus, and we were sent here. Lishmores and the kiyas fatahara shall call echad miitano to protect, to guard, to watch the pureness of each of each other, of each of the children. Kulanu shutfim, and we're all partners in this. Call echad miitano mekabel kaiches atzumim lechelik shelo b'shmira, and we have to believe that each and every one of us has received unbelievable kaiches to fulfill our. Responsibility as showmen, as those who are supposed to protect and to guard and to guard the child. I, I, you know, there's so much, there's so much, unfortunately, that's taking place in the world that has caused little children to be terribly, terribly defiled and and abused and hurt, and the, and and whether it means in their own home or on the part of people who they trusted, teachers or religious figures, personalities. There's such a horrible fear of this. And, and it's so sad and it's so ironic that society is, seems to be completely obsessed more than ever before with protecting children, which is wonderful. Society should be obsessed with protecting children. And yet the, the same children who they're so concerned with are daily subjected to the most horrible, horrible, obscene and vulgar Way of looking at life and thinking and living with the music that they hear and the and the books that they're reading and the magazines and the television and the internet. It's a very sad thing that children are certainly very confused by the mixed messages that that they're getting. But the Torah doesn't give any mixed messages. The Torah says this is our responsibility, this is our chayis, and each and every one of us has received the kaiches to protect, to take care of our children. It doesn't only mean doesn't only mean physically. Call of every father, call of every mother, call Malamed, every teacher, Manal, every principal, Mashgiach, Rosh HaKarlo, Rosh Yeshiva, even the boys are older, the girls are older. Amagat Shia, someone says a Shia, the call Mashpiacher, and anybody who's Mashpiach on somebody else. I spoke to the, I spoke uh, this past week, Shalashudas time, I don't know if any of the men had spoken to their wives about it, to their daughters, about trying to become more involved in partners in Torah. To try that each and every one of us, each and every one of us, to try to have somebody in the connection to be made in the shul. Uh, David Levy is in charge of it, but to try to to try to wherever shul you daven, or to call up Tar Partners in Torah is a wonderful thing. Partners in Torah means that there are can I heard there are thousands of non-affiliated Jews, non-religious Jews who want to find out more about Yiddishkeit, and they're asking people to sign up. Men and women, women to learn an hour a week over the phone with a woman, a man to learn an hour a week over the, man, uh, over the phone with a man. If it's long distance, they could, they're prepared to, to take care of everything. That there should be that there should be this hashpa from from one Jew to another Jew. And and as many times as I've spoken about this, so many people tell me, but 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 Rebbe, I'm, I I can't teach. I don't. How much do I know? I don't know anything. It's not true. You have no idea. But besides, I'm not talking about the material. 
you don't realize, you and I, how much as religious Jews, how much we take for granted now Yiddishkeit, how much pureness, even though we think, and it's true that, in, that compared to earlier generations, we're, we're so completely messed up. But, <laughs> but, Baruch Hashem, we're way ahead of the outside world. And, I'm, and I mentioned this a number of times in earlier Shirem, but I've always been amazed by that. Over the years, so we had many, especially in the earlier years, we had all the time in the house, the house was filled with people that, were, that weren't religious coming for Shabbos, and and uh, you know they had heard all this year about how Shabbos is like this and Shabbos is like that beautiful everything is wonderful and peaceful and quiet and then they come to the house and you know and Davke like you know just when he's staying there singing Shalom Aleichem somebody calls on the phone like you know some somebody you know it's not for you obviously but some phone call and then the kid like starts, the kids are fighting and turn, this one turns over their glasses and no one throws a glass and, and you think that after Shabbos you're 100% sure that this person will never step foot in an orthodox shul into an orthodox had to have that, nothing to do with Yiddish guy. And 99.9% of the time, it's just the opposite. You, you'll get feedback to say, I, I never saw anything like it. It was so beautiful, the family and Shabbos. And, and my wife and I would always, was that, that was the prayer. They were in our house. There was that Shabbos. I don't know that. I, I don't remember that. You know, but we don't realize how beautiful our lives are. We take it for granted. It's terrible that we take it for granted. Our lives are so infinitely more blessed than the outside world. Our homes are so infinitely more pure than the, than the outside world and the street and what the street brings into the homes that are not homes of, uh, of Shemir's Hamitzvahs. So just something like that. You have no idea what kind of a mashpia you could be if you would call a Jew once a week and talk about Yiddishkeit and learn something simple, to learn a safe thing, you have no idea the hashpah that you could have on somebody and how much how much of our own innocence compared to the outside world. I know each and every one of us, we're all walking with Peklach, but compared to the world, we are like little, little children, Baruch Hashem. We're like little children in the world. People in the outside world wouldn't be able to believe. They, they think that we're crazy. We're like such sweet, pure little children compared to the entire world. Even after all these years, it's true that we're not like Azadis and Babis, but still, still, there's no comparison between us, Bo Hashem, and the, and the outside world. Even though our enemies would like to paint a picture otherwise and to give the impression that, nah, they were just like them. It's not true. It's not true. Bo Hashem, filled with Kedush, those Jews who had says, were filled with Kedush and Tahara. They're struggling with it, but it's infinitely greater than what's outside. So he says, you know, every teacher, everyone who wants to be mashpia, the chol gil shaloyah, whatever the age is, not just for little kids. Mikabel kreches blishia. If you make that phone call to someone and you make that hookup with another Jew, Hashem gives you the kreches. He gives you the seichel of the mind and of the heart to be mashpia, to be a good shomer, to be a good friend, to watch over that person, to give good advice. You won't even believe it. You won't even believe it because you'll think to yourself, I never had such good advice for myself. I never, I never, I never had such a straight cycle when it comes to my own life. But when it comes to know the Jewish Hashem gives siyat, the Hashem helps you. That you should be able to give to one of his children, especially to one of his children who, who for no fault of his or her own, was lost to Yiddishkeit. It wasn't the fault what happened in the last generation, or two generations ago. Hashem's Baruch wants his children back. And he gives each and every one of us the ability to be a teacher, a parent. Hashem is chalishing to have his children back. And he gives each and every one of us 
unbelievable kaifas to be mashpia Yiddishkeit to our children, to other Jews, to people we meet in the street, to people that you meet at work. You know what kind of hashpah you could be at work? Many of you I know are at work. The way that you dress, the way that you talk, the way that you, the way that you conduct yourself, to be ehrlich, to be honest. Those of you that are in a place where there are, where there are other Jews who were not who did not have the fortune of being raised with Yiddishkeit. What an unbelievable hashpa, what an unbelievable inspiration a from person can be to be Makade Shem Hashem, that that person will want to live a life with more shmir, to be more pure and to be better. And that's even if you don't if you don't consider yourself to be a gifted teacher. He's not talking about being a good teacher. He doesn't he's not saying that you have to be able to say over Ramchals and Svasemesis and all kinds of fancy tires and to and to go with books and to be able to explain you know, how do you know that God exists and that the, the Torah is given to Sinai? Not talking about that. Just by who you are, you have no idea. And you know that I have over the years I've heard so many, so many stories about about people whose lives were completely changed just to be. I heard this last week. Somebody told me that there's that there's a, a person who became Shama Shabbos with his entire family that became observant Jews. And when they asked him why, they said that he had a rabbi living next door to him someplace. And, and this rabbi went out of his way to always say good morning. And he saw the way that the rabbi spoke to his wife and children. And he, and he thought that there's something, that there's a different way, there's a better way to live. And that, and that hashpo was hashpo that, that came from the way that he conducted himself and the way that he behaved towards his family and how friendly he was and how warm he was to a Jew who we thought that he always heard that Orthodox Jews will have nothing to do with people who are not religious which is of course, which is ridiculous, which is not true and, and, and it's, it's so easy to be mashpia Tahara, Kedush and Tahara to other Jews. And Hashem gives you Siyayat HaDashma. Hashem helps you and you'll do things and say things that you yourself never would have thought you were capable of. Because Hashem is helping you to what? To help one of His children come back to Him. And, and, I, and I think of this all the time and I, I, over the years. This is something, you know, my, my wife always says I should write things down. I never write anything down. But really, it wouldn't, it wouldn't be one rhyme. I could, write, I could fill this whole room with books if I would write down like, different things over the years that happened when, when I was someplace and, and I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't prepare properly. Or, or, or I remember I once had to go, I gave a shear. I, I had to go someplace to give a shear. And this was a shir. There were around 1,500 people that came to this, and I was very, very busy with something with one of the children. And and I said, all right. I took along a, a paper with some notes that I had, and I figured that you know I think they called in the world wing it something like that. They have a lotion. So I figured you know all right you know I'll, I'll work it out. I just couldn't. I couldn't. I didn't have time that day. And I was going. I came to this. I came to this huge place where there were almost 2,000 Jews and I opened up my safe, I always take my papers and say, and I, say I opened up my safe and I had the wrong paper and I get up to the microphone and, and there like 20 tape recorders right, and I'm standing over there and I open up the safe and I see this page and it's like you know, it's like about Tugashvat or something, I don't know what it, it was a whole different thing and, and, I, and, I, and, I, and I'm just, you know then um, I was sitting there, it looks like I'm like, uh, you know, some deep thought which I, I was, I was like, how do I get out of here and and you know, I was what am I going to do and, and uh, so I have things, you know, I have like think backup stuff all the time in case of an emergency, so you always have to have backup but but it was a, it was advertised like a whole a special thing you know to do and and people came for this Indian for me to talk about this Indian so 
So then I said, I, I, I stood there like that, and I said, you know, Rabbi Shalom, I said, not like this, I said, please, you know that I'm a Rosh, I'm a Chait and a Peshaya, but these Jews, they want, they came, they gave up their time, they left their homes, they came out in the cold, because they want to be better Jews. Please, Rabbi Shalom, for, this, for their sake. It makes no difference to me if I look like a fool, but just that they should go home with something that makes them want to be better Jews. And you know what? It was the, it was the best year that I ever gave in my life. It really it had nothing to do with me. Or else it would be silly for me to tell you such a nice. It, was, it had nothing to do with me. It was, you know, I, I started to talk like, just like this about, about the Indian. And of course, some things. And then somebody asked. And, and the person who asked got us all into this, into this whole thing. And it, it, was, it was an amazing, amazing night. It went way past the time. And I was talking afterwards to people. It was amazing. See, I did the Shemite because the Vaishalom you see. And afterwards, I remember when I was, I was driving home. I, and I, I thank Hakadosh Baruch and I was driving and I was saying, no, Vayishlam, I felt like Ahavas Oylam Ahavtanu. How great your love is for your children! It's unbelievable. The Vayishlam loves Jews. That that I was able, even though I'm so unworthy, to be a kli, to be somehow a vessel to give over to these people some some Jewish words that they were waiting for, that they needed to hear. And I thought I didn't prepare any of this. I didn't think of it. I said I said something there. Somebody asked me something, a very interesting thing, and I said over. I remember I said over Maharal that I had seen like 30 years before and I had forgotten about I didn't even think about all the years and then just it came into my head this Maharal and it was just what just what that Jew needed to hear because he told me afterwards and we spoke about it and then on the phone later on it's all Siyayi the Shmaya the Divine Shalom is Mashpiyah good to Jews and wants Jews to be inspired and to be uplifted you have to want that you have to believe that you have the Kirchus and that's what he means over here when he says that Hashem gives you Kirchus Atzumim unbelievable Kirchus beyond you Hashem's Lord gives you to help to protect his children to give over to the children that's what he says. That we should be able to fulfill our shlichus. As Hashem said, this is your job. Raise these children, this child, this student. This is your job. Protect the pureness of this child. And Hashem gives you the courage to do it. So when we talk about the television, a person says, I can't do it, especially a new mother. It's the hardest thing in the world that no man could possibly understand. Or nobody, who, or nobody who's never had children could understand. Or even people who had children a long time ago might not remember that the, the difficulty and, and, the, and the loneliness of a woman, especially if there are two little ones who are close in age, what is that like to take care of the two little ones? And the easiest, easiest thing in the world is to, is to just... Put a child in front of in front of a machine and to rely on the machine that the machine is going to is going to somehow distract the child. You don't mean God forbid none of us ever ever means to bring tumma to the child. We just we just need to take care of the other kid. But we need to just have sometimes a break. And and who could tell a mother who's who's day and night taking care of children and who doesn't have a moment to breathe? It's the most wonderful thing. You just put the kid in front of this machine and you can take a nap. <laughs> and then, and then, and then, or you could, or you could at least, if you don't fall asleep, you could just close your eyes and put your head back for a few minutes, and it's quiet. And 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 you know what? And when you come back and you and you take the child, the child looks exactly the same as when you put him there. <laughs> he looks the same. Everything's okay. Maybe the, maybe the diaper's a little bit lower, but pretty much things look okay. Everything looks all right. And you you check the kid, you check the eyes, you check the you check the the, 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 the everything is everything is fine. But the emis, the emis, and knimis. If it were possible to be able to check with Hashem's eyes to see whether or not that child was the same way 
before you went and after you came back is it the same child it's not so partial when it comes to the music when it comes to the things and the things that children see and hear and even the kind of chever and where they are and who you're who you're putting them with, you're making a decision. We have to dive in our hearts out that they should be with the right friends. Even if you put them in the best place, you're always in danger of a child, God forbid, with a uh, mixing with, with somebody who's going to be a bad hashpa. But you try to put the child with children who you hope are going to be a good hashpa. Which with, with families that you hope will be a good hashpa. There'll always be problems. But you hope that they'll be that it'll be good. But how do we explain to Hashem after 120 years where you made a decision to put the child among children, that all of them should be should be well. But you put the child with children who who are perhaps um, hearing things and seeing things, and they sh- and and are sharing them with your child, which which Hashem doesn't want your child to to receive, and that's your achrayis. That's that's a that's a parent's responsibility. But it's the hardest thing. It's the e- because why? Because for a mother to for a mother to be vigilant 24 hours with a child, especially when there are two little ones that are three, that are, that are children that are close in age, it's so easy to to have this dimion, this fantasy that everything is fine and that nothing is bad. A lot of nice people and everybody always says, I myself. That's a, that's a very popular sentence. I myself, I watch television. Is there anything wrong with me? And no one's going to say, "Are you kidding? Is there anything wrong with you? What do you mean is there anything wrong with you? Of course, there's a lot of stuff wrong with you. No one would say that to you. But but what do you mean? You you know yourself. What do you mean is there anything wrong? I also did. You also. That's right. And you're having a lot of sorrows. But but anyway, ain't it diamond? Because the television, the television 30 years ago is not the same thing as the television now. And it's ain't a diamond. It wasn't holy then either. But the question of how much harm, you know, uh, what, what was going to come out from, you know, from the beaver or from I Love Lucy, uh, you know, some of, how much harm was going to come out from, as opposed to as opposed to now, like any any commercialist of you, obviously, you can't even even if even if you leave a boy by a television to watch a ball game, the baseball game is okay, but but in between and what goes on, it's 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 impossible to know. So so it's so it's so easy for a parent to use that. To use that, I was just listening on the radio today. There's a, there's a report that just came out about the, the the damaging new new information. New studies were made about the damaging effect uh, of uh, children who are growing up more and more without being interactive, without being themselves, but just just being subjected to somebody else's thoughts and feelings. And these are people who are not really concerned with tumma. They're just concerned with the child's well-being or. Psychological health or intellectual well-being, but we but we were sent. We say every single morning, Think of it. Think of it. Sometimes it could be that you have the little one sitting by the television while you're saying the brachas, and and you go and the, and and your kid standing there by the television, you're saying I mean, the purpose, uh, obviously, not the purpose not to bash this Indian and to, and to dwell on the Indian, but sometimes we just, we're just not thinking straight. A person, has to have, a person has to think what it means. So that's what he says. We have tremendous characters. That means that even that mother who's so overwhelmed and tired and is so halishing for a few minutes quiet, Hashem gave her the characters not to, not to have to do that. Not to have to put the child in front of the television. There's another way. You might not have that 15, 20 minutes that you desperately need. You might not. But but the answer is not the answer is not to subject the child to to that which is the opposite of your responsibility which is basically an, which is neglect of the responsibility that you have as a parent as a, as a Jewish mother to to be mashpia only that shmira for your child. Let's just another another two minutes. The next paragraph.
on the bottom. For Avinu we go past the heading, we just go into the Avinu Shabbashamayim. Rotsu Shinizka Kesever. The Barnishlam wants us to always remember that the holy neshamas that Hashem gave to us these neshamas that Hashem gave to us I mentioned this before Pikadon in Halachi means when you give somebody something as a security that afterwards has to be returned that's called in Hebrew a pikad, a pikad. There is no greater security. There's nothing that is more pure than this neshama that was given as a pikad. Remember, and sometimes we don't remember that we don't own that child. We don't own the child. The same way, according to Allah, we don't own our own bodies. Halakhically, it's forbidden for a person to injure himself, right? You're not allowed to injure yourself. So why can't the person say, whose business is it? It's my body. I can do whatever I want with it. This is a very common thing in the world, in the secular world. It's my body. I do whatever I want with it. That's not, a, that's not true according to Allah. According to Allah, it's not our bodies. Our bodies were given to us as a pikadin. Our bodies were given to us as a, as a uh, security. In other words, that we were given to watch this, to take care of it. And because there are certain things that we have in our relationship with Hashem to take care of over those 120 years. And in order for us to be able to accomplish that, Hashem gave us this goof, gave us the body. And the body has to be cared for. It does not belong to us. It belongs to the Rebbein Therefore, a person is not allowed to injure himself. A person is not allowed to inflict wounds upon oneself, which by the way I'm sure that you all know, is something which is unfortunately and very frighteningly, increasingly popular among people who are, who are distraught over um, emotional problems of wounding oneself, of inflicting wounds upon oneself uh, all kinds of uh, very, very bizarre things that take place where a person, where, where a person can't with a relationship within the Nisham and Guf is not a healthy one or you have, you have people that are starving themselves all kinds of problems with anorexia all different in Yonam with the Pikadon where that gift of the body that Hashem gave us to watch and the body is not being taken care of properly it's being abused with the wrong foods with, 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 with alcohol, Hashem, with drugs and so on and so forth, smoking because, uh, the body was given to us as a Pikadon so if the body was given to us on Alone from the Rebbeinu himself, Allah has come of a come. How much more so than the Shema was sent to this world? Then the Shema of our children was sent to us, and we don't own the children. We were we were put we were we were made responsible for caring for this child. We are taking care of the child, and the Shema's world gave us the child in such a way where we would want to care for the child more than anybody else would want to care for that child. Because when the woman gives birth to the child, when these parents have the child, or in situations, of course, it's not the same, but sometimes where children come into a family because of a marriage, a second marriage, or if there are children that are adopted in the family, whatever it is, that's also, these things are all in But when Hashem Baruch gave you that child, it was in such a way that you would feel the most amazing kesha to that child. The most amazing kesha, the connection, the deepest connection. That's because Hashem wants us to do the best job we can to, to protect them. That's why he let's just finished this paragraph. And that's why he says, Hashem, has, Hashem gives each and every one unbelievable 
to protect the pikodin. According to halacha, you are responsible to protect something that was given to you to watch as a pikodin, as a security. You're not allowed to use it for anything other than what it was given to you for. It has to be taken care of. And, and, not, not only does it have to be taken care of, but what's interesting is that if, according to Allah, if somebody does something to be cotton to the cotton that he shouldn't have done, and as a result of that, it's lost or it's ruined or something, the din of the Torah is, it says, it says in the Torah, Yishalem Shnayim L'Re'ehu. What does that mean? Yishalem Shnayim L'Re'ehu. You have to pay back double, Right? We have this concept of careful of double in other areas of Allah. Yishalem Shlam Lerei, which the Sadiqim said, you know what that means? That if in some way you or I were negligent in taking care of that Nishama that was sent to us, then, there's, then, then instead of crying and worrying about it, you know what we have to do? Yishalem Shlam Lerei, you learn twice as much, you daven more, you you kiss twice as much, you hug twice as much. Yishalem Shlam Lerei, if in any way we were negligent in our jobs as parents or as teachers, the Torah says, don't don't cry about what happened, that's Fafal. The main thing is, Yishalem Shnaim Lereyu, double up, more Ahava, more love, more Yiddishkeit, more Davin, more Tar, more, to spend more time with the child instead of correcting about what was. Yishalem Shnaim Lereyu, because Hashem gave us to watch the Pikodin, and this is the din, that we have, and we have tremendous kaychas to watch the Pikodin. The Chazal HaKadoshim, of the Chaviv, sometimes he puts, you know, he left the Yiddish, he wanted to keep the Yiddish, and you see the Chazal were cooking with this Indian, cooking. Cooking. They were burning with this Indian. Throughout Chazal. What? The Chavivah shall shliach ha-mishtalech Chazal have the greatest words of praise for Eliezer, the servant of Avraham. You know why Chazal love Eliezer, the servant of Avraham? There are, there are many reasons, but the main reason that Chazal heaped so much praise upon Eliezer, Ebed Avraham, was because he did exactly what he was told to do. He was Neman. He was faithful to the one who sent him. Therefore, the greatest need of a Jew is to be faithful to the shlichus that Hashem sent each and every one of us to raise this child in as pure and a holy and as holy a way as possible. There is no greater praise for a Jew than to say that he was an Evid Neman. Like Moshe Rabbeinu, he was a faithful, loyal servant. He was a good shliach. But the Bereshim could say, I sent that neshama to you to take care of that neshama, and you did a good job. You did a good job. You sent that neshama back to me. You sent that neshama back to me the way that I, the way that I sent it to you, and therefore Hashem Baruch made the, made such an amazing connection between parents and children that it's never too late. I'll tell you an amazing thing. I'll end with this. Takes Mamish a minute. I saw this. I saw this a couple of weeks ago. You heard of Rebel Lapian? You heard of Rebel Lapian was one of the biggest tzaddikim of the last generation. Rebellia was, of course, first in Europe, and then he was in England, and then he eventually was in Eretz Yisrael in Krach Hasidim. Up north near Haifa, the yeshiva in Krachsim Meshgir, who's a big tzaddik at Kaddish. He wrote the Sefer Lev Eliyahu. Those are, those are his, his thoughts were put together in the Sefer Lev Eliyahu. I saw a meister rebellion told over a gewaldige meister. Rebel Lapian said that, that he, he heard a meister from Sadiqim that there was a situation where because of a war that was taking place and the difficulties, the parents, the Jewish, these Jewish parents, um, had no choice. They felt they had no choice but to give their child over to a non-Jewish family. Unfortunately, this happened many times in the Holocaust. And there are thousands and thousands and thousands of Yidden that are either lost or whatever happened. So, 
this child, and afterwards they couldn't find him, the, the parents, whatever, they, they're not the real, they, these people who took care of him, the, the non-Jews <coughs> kept him away, and he was raised in the church, and he was a Jewish boy, in a very, very, very good head, and he ended up becoming very, uh, he, he ended up studying for the priesthood, he became a very, very choshev in the church, and this was the time, this was the time of the Inquisition in Spain, and he became very choshev in the church, and he was actually, rebellious. said that, that, this, that this, when he became a priest, he was made one of the head inquisitors. These were terrible, terrible people that were causing a lot of terrors for Jews. You know that, that the Jews were not allowed to keep mitzvahs, and, and that many Jews were keeping them secretly. And one of the main jobs of these people, of these priests, was to, so to speak, tr- bring to trial, to, to, uh, to cross-examine uh, those who were accused of keeping their Yiddishkeit, of observing mitzvahs. So this was this Jew was the most powerful inquisitor at that time in Spain, who sent many Jews to death, many many Jews to death, and and he knew of his he knew of his background, but he had no connection to it, and he was very strong in the church. It happened once that there was an old man who was brought to him, and that this old man was caught was seen by other people, by people in the early, early morning, they saw him wearing towels and tefillin. And he was brought, that was against the law, and he was brought, and ultimately he was brought to this inquisitor, and the inquisitor, this galach, this priest, he, he went through the whole case, and he decided that the old man has to be taken immediately to be executed, and he used to torture them to death and execute people. And, and uh, he read the papers, and, and he took out the, the pen, he put it into the, he the inquisitor, and, he, and he, he couldn't sign the paper. He couldn't sign it. He, his hand was shaking. Something was crazy, and he and he he went to lie down a little bit. He tried again. The kids tried three or four times, and each time he knocked over the ink. He couldn't he couldn't uh, he couldn't get his hand steady, and he, he didn't know what was going on. And he had this thought, and he and he asked the old man because of where he heard where he came from. He asked him some questions without going into all the details, which are really very remarkable. He asked him, "Did you ever have a child that was given over to the Gentiles and so on?" It turns out that was his father. It turns out that was his father. And all you said is the mice that he heard from Sadiqim, that was the boy's, that was the Galat's father. And they cried and they were hugging each other and he left the church and he came back to our people. And Rebellion says there's a cabal that turned out to be an old God and turned out to be a great person. And, and what, what it all began with was that he couldn't sign a paper to send his father to death. To die. He couldn't do it. Even he didn't know who, what, where, what is this? There's such a tether. That Hashem was not being a parent and in a child, such a kesher, his kashras, that's filled with life and filled with love, that it wasn't possible for him to do that, even though he was a sworn anti-Semite and had done this a million times, he couldn't do it. That's the his kashras that Hashem created between a parent and a child, that, and if that's the case with such a person, Allah has come of a when it comes to, to good parents and to good children, that Hashem's Baruch gave us such kashras to have a relationship that we should be able to be the, the, the ones who can carry out the shlichus to take care of the children, to raise them, to be, to be God-fearing. So, Mitzvah Shem will continue, we'll continue next time.